I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. A caregiver is struck down by a deadly assassin that's living in his own backyard. And all I seen was people running around me. And I was getting pretty scared because I'm wondering what's going on. A ruthless killer attacks a working mom in her own home and leaves her fighting for her life. My worst fear was that I was going to die. And a housewife is caught in the crossfire when a sinister predator goes on a brutal rampage. Nowhere in my wildest dreams that I'd think that I would have a parasite inside me. Three very different parasites with one shared strategy. They lie in wait all around us. They are hungry for hosts. They are homegrown enemies. Worms invisible to the human eye. Insects thirsty for blood. Microscopic amoeba. They might look harmless, but these are some of nature's deadliest creatures. They can hijack our bodies, disable our immune systems. They are parasites. But to those infected, they are the monsters inside me. Parasites are some of the most successful and abundant organisms on the planet. They are all around us, in the air we breathe, the food we eat, and the water we drink. When people think of parasites, they often think of third world countries or tropical locations. But the truth is that every organism on the planet is at risk of a parasitic infection. Parasites are everywhere, even in developed countries like the United States. And some of the deadliest parasites are lurking in the most common of places. 
2009. 55-year-old John Taverner lives in Manchester, New Jersey, and is the full-time caregiver to his mother. My mother's got quite a few medical problems, and she needs somebody here to help her all the time. After everything she did for everybody, I promised her I wouldn't throw her in a nursing home. When John is not caring for his mother, he spends time with his girlfriend, Kristen. John is a very good guy. He'll give you his shirt off, you know, off his back kind of a guy. But a parasitic invader is about to transform John from caretaker to patient. One night in June, while John is making dinner for his mother, he begins feeling unwell. I was feeling feverish. I didn't know why I had no symptoms, no sore throat, no coughing, no stomach ache, and I just couldn't figure out why I had this fever. John doesn't take the fevers lightly. Five years previously, he survived a battle with a deadly form of cancer called Hodgkin's lymphoma. Since then, he has been wary of any signs that he might be getting sick. John calls his primary care physician and describes his symptoms over the phone. He called in a script for me, antibiotic, and it seemed to work. My fever went away and I felt okay. But a week later, the fever is back. I'm like, what is this? I said, I just got over a fever like a week or so ago, and it's starting again. I don't understand this. Overnight, John's condition rapidly deteriorates. All I was doing is laying in bed, sweating. I try to get up to go to the bathroom, and I'm shaking like anything. And I just dive right back into the bed under the covers. My sheets are wet. The pillows are wet. I'm sweating and I'm cold. The last I looked, when I checked my temperature, I remember it being 103.7. The next morning, Kristen calls to check up on John. I don't even think he knew that he answered the phone because he didn't make any sense whatsoever. Alarmed by John's incoherent ramblings, Kristen rushes right over to his house. She is stunned by what she sees. John looked very, almost gray. And just beads of sweat all over his forehead. And just, not, he didn't look good at all. Kristen is determined to get John to the hospital. Before she can argue, John is hit with a terrifying new symptom. He went to the bathroom all over himself. Like, he couldn't even help it. He had no idea it was coming out of him. Not like saying, you know, a little bit of diarrhea here. It, like, was like, just like a waterfall of just fluids out of him. I'm calling 911. The ambulance arrives minutes later, and John is rushed to the hospital. The first thing the ER nurse does is take John's temperature. And the results are shocking. John's temperature is 105 degrees. A temperature this high can lead to convulsions and even death. 
I immediately asked the nurse, well, you know, what would cause this? You know, what's going on? And she told me she had no idea. John is given IV fluids to try to bring his temperature down. But what is causing the fever remains a mystery. And all I seen was uh, people running around me, uh, no faces, just seeing the green scrubs that the doctors and nurses wear in the emergency room. And I was getting pretty scared because I'm wondering what's going on. Because of John's history of medical issues, the ER team contacts his personal physician, Dr. Frank Alario. He was uh, out of it. He was uh, dehydrated. Uh, he was uh, confused. He was running high fever. In an attempt to find out what is causing the unusually high fever, Dr. Alario orders a comprehensive workup. Several hours later, the lab results are in. Dr. Alario has the answer. John has been brought to the brink of death by a microscopic parasite. Doctors have just told 55-year-old caregiver John Taverner that a parasite has invaded his blood and has brought him to the brink of death. His girlfriend, Kristen, is stunned. They said the parasite was attacking his blood cells and that it was killing him from the inside out. John's blood cells show that he had babesiosis. Babesiosis is caused by a tiny protozoan parasite called Babesia. Babesia is a cold-blooded killer. Much like malaria, it enters the bloodstream and destroys red blood cells. The damage begins in humans when the parasites enter the bloodstream. There, the parasites invade red blood cells, where they feed and reproduce. Eventually, the infected blood cells burst, releasing legions of new parasites into the blood. Babesia can cause fatigue, headaches, and fevers, but it generally stops there because the spleen can clean and replenish the blood. But in people who have lost their spleen, Babesia can run rampant through the body, ultimately killing the host. It is now becoming clear to Dr. Alario how John became so ill. John does not have a spleen. John underwent uh, treatment for Hodgkin's disease, which is a cancer of the lymph nodes, which he required to remove um, his spleen. The spleen acts as a filter for red blood cells. Without a spleen, John can no longer replenish his infected cells. So it is harder for his body to fight off the parasitic infection. It was concerned to us that the mortality rate goes up significantly with patients who have had their spleens removed. But how did John get the parasite in the first place? Dr. Alario presses Kristen and John for more information. He asked me, were you guys camping or picnicking or, you know, something outdoors? I said, no, all I do is walk out the front door, get the newspaper, and I get the mail. I usually walk out barefoot. John's barefoot walks to the mailbox may hold the key to how he became infected. The life cycle of the Babesia microti parasite revolves around two hosts, a rodent, such as a mouse, and a tick. When a mouse is bitten by an infected tick, the mouse becomes infected with the parasite. The parasite reproduces inside the infected mouse, and when an uninfected tick feeds off the infected mouse, 
the life cycle continues. Humans can get the parasite if they're bitten by an infected tick. Humans are a dead-end host for the Babesia parasite because once they're inside a human, they can't complete their life cycle. But they can wreak havoc on the red blood cells. For the next two days, doctors flood John's body with antibiotics to kill the parasite. They didn't know how far this parasite had gone into my body where if these antibiotics were going to work or not. After two days, it's clear that the medicine isn't working. John is losing red blood cells at an alarming rate, and his life hangs in the balance. As a last resort, John's doctors perform a blood transfusion. They put a catheter in my neck, draw my blood out through there, clean it, and put it back in. And this was going to take some time. And of course, I gave him the okay because I wanted to live through this. There's no guarantee that the procedure will save John's life. That was pretty much their, their last option. And if that didn't work, it was a very real possibility that he was not going to make it. The killer parasite Babesia is rampaging through John Taverner's body. It has brought him to the brink of death. Powerful antiparasitic medicine isn't working, so doctors have one last hope, a full-body blood transfusion. That was pretty much their, their last option, and if that didn't work, it was a very real possibility that he was not going to make him. The transfusion begins. For the next 48 hours, nurses and doctors replace John's infected blood. His girlfriend, Kristen, can only wait and hope. The only thing going through my mind was, uh, please, God, let this work. Finally, after three days, John's fever breaks. The transfusion is working. For the next week, doctors continue to monitor John's blood count. Finally, they declare John parasite-free. Today, John is on his way to a complete recovery. He is back home, and he is caring for his mother full-time. I feel I'm back to my old self. I'm, I'm doing everything that I did prior to this incident that I had with the parasite. But the experience has left some lasting effects. Now that I know that these parasites do exist, I'm not walking outside without my shoes on anymore. Every time I go out, I got shoes, socks, long pants. The Babesia parasite is common along the eastern seaboard of the United States, from southern Maine to New Jersey, and affects over 200 people each year. To avoid becoming infected, those living in or traveling to areas where the parasite is found should keep their skin covered while participating in outdoor activities and wear insect repellent that contains DEET. Babesia uses a tick to get from host to host, but other parasites don't need help. They're perfectly well adapted to sit in the environment on their own waiting for the opportunity to strike and take a new host. March 2007, Rochester, New York. Pam Baker is enjoying an active and busy life with her husband, Bruce, and their three daughters. Bruce and I just celebrated our 25th anniversary. He is a wonderful husband, and he is the most amazing father in the whole world. She's very involved in the girls' school activities. She's been a Girl Scout leader. 
since the time our oldest daughter was in elementary school. She manages to do everything um, and, and do it well. As well as being a busy mom, Pam spends long hours working as a political fundraiser. But her nonstop lifestyle is about to come to a grinding halt. One morning in March, Pam is getting ready to leave for the airport on a fundraising trip. But while she's packing, Pam is struck by painful stomach cramps. I wasn't feeling well. It was cramping and it was intense. And it was nothing that I'd ever had before. Pam rushes to the bathroom where she has a bout of explosive diarrhea. I just assumed it would be quick, it would be over, and I'd be on my flight. But an hour later, Pam's condition is worse. It didn't just happen in one or two quick rushes into the bathroom. It was something that went on for about four or five hours that day. And what I do remember distinctly was being absolutely drained by the end of the day, that there was just nothing left in my body. And I was just a little worried that, you know, what if this was a bigger stomach bug? What if I was coming down with a virus? By the time Bruce comes home that evening, Pam has missed her flight. For her to miss that trip uh, was huge. This was not a trip that would have been canceled unless she was really sick. Bruce helps his wife into bed. And the next morning, the stomach cramps are gone. A few days later, Pam is back to normal and is exercising at home. But after 30 minutes of brisk walking, a disturbing new symptom appears. I was probably into about a half mile to three quarters of a mile when I felt very lightheaded and realized that my vision was starting to become distorted. The peripheral vision started to retract. And then also there was the squiggle lines in the middle of whatever I was looking at. No pain, just that sensation and fear immediately sets in because it wasn't normal for me. She said she felt dizzy and she just didn't feel right. I guess I wrote it off to being really tired and that maybe she had overexerted herself on the treadmill. As a precaution, Pam makes an appointment to see her eye doctor the next morning. He did a basic eye exam. I remember having them put drops in, and I remember the machine that they put over your eyes to check your vision. And he came back and said, hey, everything looks good. There's nothing behind the retina. Pam's doctor can find no obvious reason for her vision problems. But given Pam's age, he thinks she might be suffering from a common postmenopausal condition called ocular migraine. When you lose estrogen, it can impact headaches. Symptoms of an ocular migraine include seeing flashes of light, zigzag patterns, blind spots, or stars. My lifestyle wasn't really helping things. He did say he knew how busy I was and what I was involved with, and he said, you know, it's not going to hurt you to step back and cut back a little bit if this is what's happening. The doctor suggests that Pam try to reduce stress. Following her doctor's advice, Pam decides to take some time off from work. I wanted to sleep, I wanted to rest, and I just wanted to recharge my batteries. But a few days later, Pam and her daughters are out shopping when she is hit with a terrifying feeling. I was just standing there flipping the clothes and I felt a sensation that I'd never had in my life. I was dizzy, so dizzy that the whole store started spinning around me. 
I felt heart palpitations. I physically could not do a thing. My first reaction was, oh my God, I'm having a heart attack. The dizziness and pounding in her chest get so bad that Pam can no longer stand up. I made it out to a street bench and put my head between my hands, closed my eyes, and just, I prayed. Shaken by the episode, Pam tries her best to hide the situation from her daughters. They came out. They had no idea what had happened. I just said I was really tired, told them I was very hot, and it passed. It passed probably 15 minutes. The heart palpitations stop, but Pam remains worried. There is something going on, and I feel awful. Pam makes an appointment with the family doctor for the next day. I knew that this was not stress. Something inside of me said, okay, Pam, this is something very real. Let's get to the bottom of it. The doctor orders a full blood workup. A few days later, the test results come back. I got a call from my doctor and he said that the tests showed that I had a very, very high blood count in my white cells. White blood cells form an important part of the immune system and help to fight off infection. A high white count can indicate a very serious infection. I was very concerned about the the idea that she could have some type of uh, serious infection. The doctor refers Pam to Dr. William Bonet, an infectious disease specialist at the University of Rochester Medical Center. It was clear that the white blood cell count was very high, um, but that in itself doesn't uh, provide a, a quick and easy answer because there are many conditions that can be associated with an elevated white count like she had. The worst would have been uh, some form of cancer. When I heard the word cancer, my whole body internally just went to jello. My worst fear was that I was going to die. And now, inside the monster. In order to transmit the Babesia parasite, how long must an infected tick remain attached to a human? A, one hour. B, 12 hours. C, 24 hours. D, one week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. To transmit the Babesia parasite... An infected tick must remain attached to a human for at least, C, 24 hours. Doctors have just told 50-year-old political fundraiser Pam Baker that she might have cancer. When I heard the word cancer, my whole body internally just went to jello. My worst fear was that I was going to die. Determined to find out what is wrong, Pam's doctor, infectious disease specialist William Bonet, orders a battery of new tests that he hopes will find an answer. I think I counted at least six or eight vials of blood coming out of my body that day. We wanted a definitive diagnosis very, very badly. I wanted us to to know what we were dealing with so that we could get it cured. After two agonizing weeks of waiting, Pam receives a call from Dr. Bonet. Dr. Bonet called me that afternoon to tell me we had something to hang our hat on. What he tells her is something no one has considered. The blood test showed us that there was only one thing that was really uh, abnormal, which was that she had antibodies against a parasite called Toxocara. Toxocara is a deadly roundworm that feeds on human tissue. I couldn't believe that a doctor was telling me that I had a parasite. It was just really hard to think that some microscopic little thing was was stealing me of my life. When Toxicara eggs enter the human intestines, they hatch into larvae. The larvae then penetrate the bowel wall and migrate through the bloodstream to the liver, lungs, eyes, or brain. As it battles the parasite, the body's immune system generates an inflammatory response in the affected tissues. If the parasite reaches the eye, this inflammatory response can have serious consequences. The human body is a dead end for the Toxicara parasite because it can't mature into an adult worm there. But as a larval worm, it migrates through the tissues causing severe damage, and if it destroys the retina, that causes permanent blindness. Because Pam's most recent symptoms included dizziness and blurred vision, the doctors are worried that the parasite has already invaded Pam's eyes. The parasite uh, can cause blindness by uh, causing a a reaction in the eye that destroys the retina. 
It just was almost something I just couldn't even bring myself to think about. The idea that Pam at 50 could go blind, um, it was almost too horrible to contemplate. I remember looking at my husband and said, this can't happen. It just can't. Can doctors save Pam's eyes before it's too late? Dr. Bonet summons Pam to his office immediately. He decided that we did want to have a ophthalmology specialist take a look at me. Pam is sent for more tests that will determine if the parasite is in her eye. In the meantime, Dr. Bonet is left with an important question. How did Pam contract the Toxicara parasite? Toxicara is an extremely successful parasite. This is a homegrown enemy that has launched a very successful campaign against people and their pets. Toxicara begins as a free-living egg in the soil. The eggs are then ingested by a mammal, such as a dog. The eggs hatch into larvae in the dog's gut, penetrate the intestinal wall, and migrate through the body. The adult worms lay eggs in the intestines, which are then released back into the environment in the feces. Puppies and kittens are at the greatest risk of contracting and passing on Toxicara. They can pick it up very easily from the milk of an infected mother or from the environment. Dr. Bonet asks Pam and her family about how they could have been exposed to the parasite. The immediate question was our dog. We had a beautiful golden retriever, and I spent a lot of time walking him and cleaning up after him, and he wanted to have our dog checked for the parasite. Could an encounter with the family dog have brought Pam Baker to the brink of blindness? Political fundraiser Pam Baker is locked in a battle for her sight with the deadly parasite Toxicara. Doctors are not sure if she will go blind and believe that she might have contracted the parasite from the Baker's family dog. The Bakers send their dog for testing, and a few days later, the results come back. The dog is negative. Without a clear culprit, doctors tell Pam that she may never know how she became infected. Everybody's best guess is that I was eating someplace and somebody who handled my food had this parasite and passed it to me. Dr. Bonet puts Pam on a strong antiparasitic medication that he hopes will kill the organism. After a few days, the tests are back, and the news is positive. Once Dr. Bonet had the results, he said, your blood count is back to normal, and I was told that it wasn't in my eye. I finally saw the light at the end of the tunnel. I, I felt so relieved at that point. Today, Pam is completely cured, but her battle with Toxicara has changed her life forever. I counted myself very blessed for the life that I was allowed to leave again, but it's not the same life that I led before the illness. It's a very much um, new, hopefully improved version of me. The CDC believes Toxicara cases in the U.S. are fairly common. By some estimates, 14% of the population in the U.S. is infected. Toxicara canis is commonly found in our yards and in our homes, but it's relatively easy to avoid with good hygiene. The best way to avoid becoming infected with Toxicara is to ensure that pets are dewormed regularly and maintain good personal hygiene while caring for animals, and especially before eating. Some parasites are just as common, 
but keeping out of their way is much more difficult, as one woman in Kentucky is about to discover. Two thousand eight. Bonnie Duncan is a 56-year-old mother of five, living in Staffordsville, Kentucky. For Bonnie and her husband Jonathan, life revolves around their large, close-knit family. Jonathan and I have five kids together. We have five grandchildren. We're very, very close with them. We have family activities with the grandchildren, with our children. Family is everything. But Bonnie and Jonathan's good life is about to take a deadly plunge into the world of parasitic infection. One day in November, Bonnie is getting ready for a family get-together. I had made a breakfast casserole the night before, and I was in the kitchen preparing it. Suddenly, out of nowhere, she is hit by a terrifying attack. <coughs> I was coughing so bad; it was very harsh, very deep. And asked her if she was okay because she, you know, had had、uh, asthma problems before. Bonnie turns to her asthma medications for relief. The breathing was very limited at this point. It was scary. But the drugs don't help. And that's when I got my husband and my kids and told them somebody needs to get me to the doctor. The doctor orders a chest X-ray to determine why Bonnie's breathing is so restricted. A few hours later, the results are in. They diagnosed her with pneumonia. I was relieved. I thought they'll give me antibiotics and. And I'll be okay in a couple days. In addition to the antibiotics, Bonnie is given a strong dose of steroids to open her airways. He recommended that I take my medicine as prescribed, and I thought, okay, I'll do what the doctor recommends, and I'll be okay. The steroids help, and soon Bonnie can breathe regularly again. But she still doesn't feel like her normal self. I'm not coughing like I was, but I was very nauseous. In fact, by the next day, Bonnie is so nauseous that she stops eating altogether. My husband and the kids keep telling me to eat, but I just couldn't eat, and you know, I couldn't force it down me. Bonnie and Jonathan assume the nausea is a side effect of Bonnie's pneumonia medication. But after a few days, Bonnie is still not eating. And Jonathan begins to worry. We're very concerned that she wasn't getting enough nutrition in her、uh, body to keep her going. Jonathan pleads with Bonnie to eat, but when she does, the results are disastrous. Bonnie develops excruciating muscle spasms and begins to vomit. When I put food in my mouth, I threw it back out. My stomach is hurting. Uh, from the muscle spasms, Bonnie continues to vomit for the rest of the day, and Jonathan is helpless. She was、uh, not keeping any nourishment in her system. In fact, Bonnie has nothing left in her stomach, and the stomach spasms are only getting worse. I was throwing up a lot of、uh, green bile. We got to the point where I couldn't even raise my head up by myself. Bonnie's condition is deteriorating by the minute. And soon she begins to fear the worst. 
A small voice inside me just was saying, get to the hospital. This was the worst I have ever felt in my life. I thought I was going to die. 56-year-old Bonnie Duncan is experiencing terrible stomach cramps. She's unable to hold down food and hasn't eaten properly for several days. Frantically, Bonnie's husband Jonathan rushes her to the emergency room. I was uh, exceeding the speed limit. I was concerned that she might pass out on me. So I was trying to get her to the emergency room as quickly as possible. At the hospital, Bonnie is seen by a gastroenterologist. Dr. Bahram Ferozendeh. The doctor came in to examine me. He pushed on my stomach and is very, very sore. Right away, Dr. Ferozendeh confirms Bonnie's greatest fears. I was uh, under the impression that either she has some blockage in her bowel or there is some cancer going on. So Dr. Frozenday inserts an endoscope into Bonnie's digestive tract. What he sees gives him serious cause for concern. When I did the endoscopy, uh, I found that the stomach was very uh, inflamed. Dr. Frozenday takes a small biopsy of the inflamed tissue and sends the sample to the pathology lab for testing. A few hours later, the results come back. Bonnie has been infected by one of the deadliest parasites on the planet. Dr. Ferozenday breaks the news to Bonnie and her family. Dr. Ferozenday tells my husband that I have a uh, strongyloid parasite. Nowhere in my wildest dreams that I'd think that I would have a parasite inside me. Strongyloides is a tiny thread-like roundworm only two millimeters in length and about twice the diameter of the head of a pin. They can lie dormant inside a host for years, but when they become active, they can wreak havoc in the body. Strongyloides is a crafty killer. Left unchecked, strongyloides can cause something called hyperinfection. Strongyloides worms reproduce rapidly in the host's gut. The larvae burrow through the intestines, eating the body's tissues as they go. As the worms continue to feed, the body's immune system responds, causing severe inflammation in the gut. This can result in bloody diarrhea and intense pain. Left unchecked, the parasite can cause so much internal damage that the host can die. Naturally, we were very surprised at this because uh, no one had even thought about this before. We were shocked that such a small, small parasite could do so much damage to my body. Strongyloides worms are usually held in check by a healthy immune system. But when the immune system is suppressed, the worms become more active and start to destroy the host's insides. Dr. Frozenday examines Bonnie's recent medical history and zeroes in on the steroid treatments Bonnie was given for her breathing problems a few weeks earlier. After she received treatment for asthma, which is the steroid, sometimes it can decrease immune system and cause this infection to get worse. Dr. Frozenday needs to act fast. He floods Bonnie's body with a strong antiparasitic drug called ivermectin. Dr. Frozenday told my family that after I'd taken that for a few days that it should uh, kill the parasites. 
While they wait to see if she recovers, doctors are left with the pressing question. How did these savage killers get inside Bonnie in the first place? The Strongyloides parasite begins its life cycle as a free-living worm in the soil. When a host, such as a dog, steps on the parasite, the worm burrows into its paw. The worm reproduces inside the dog's gut. And when the worm's eggs are passed out in the dog's feces, the life cycle continues. Strongyloides has a great trick for getting into its human host. It sits and waits in the soil. It's attracted to a chemical called uricanic acid, which occurs naturally on the skin and also on the soles of the feet. So when a human steps on this parasite, it grabs on, injects its way through the skin, and gets right into the bloodstream. While most Strongyloides infections occur outside of the United States, there have been reported cases of infection in certain areas in the U.S. One thing that makes Strongyloides so effective is its ability to live in different environments. It does well in tropical areas, but it also does well in the temperate U.S., like the Appalachian region. And that's what makes this parasite such an effective homegrown enemy. Since Bonnie has spent her entire life in the rural Appalachian region, doctors believe that she may have picked up the parasite right in her own backyard. Dr. Frozenday uh, thinks that Bonnie could have picked up this parasite through the, uh, the soil, either working in the garden or uh, walking around barefoot. After a few months, Bonnie's condition starts to improve, and she returns home to Jonathan and her kids. Today, Bonnie's life is getting back to normal. But her battle with the Strongyloides parasite has changed her daily life. I'll never work in the flower garden again without gloves. She won't let the grandchildren walk around barefoot in the grass. I think my story shows that anybody that works in dirt or goes barefooted in the soil, you could get a parasite. Anybody can get them if you work in the soil. In order to avoid contracting the Strongyloides parasite, residents of or travelers to the Appalachian region should refrain from walking barefoot on soil and always wash their hands after working or playing outside. Many parasites live in third world countries and tropical places where hygiene is poor and the opportunities for transmission are vast. But other parasites do very well in developed countries right in our backyards. These homegrown enemies are thriving among us, waiting for an opportunity to take a new host. For more disgusting parasites and tips on how to avoid them, visit our website, animalplanet.com slash monstersinsideme. But Pam is not out of the woods yet. Treatment for Toxicara is long and arduous. Uh, Dr. Bonet had told me upon diagnosis that he was expecting me to be feeling pretty lousy for about eight months. For the next eight months, Pam continues to undergo treatment. Pam is sent home, and for the next two weeks, she and her family anxiously wait for the findings. There were a number of days of just thinking um, of all the possibilities that this could be. It was just, it was a very long, difficult period of, of waiting. When Kristen gets home, she's alarmed by John's condition. I was worried that something was was, uh, you know, was seriously wrong with him. I was uh, pushing him very hard to go see the doctor. But John can't leave his mother alone. If something really bad happened to me, what would happen to my mother? There'd be nobody here to take care of her. 
So I kept fighting this, hoping that it would go away. Reluctantly, Kristen leaves for the evening. I don't remember any bites at all. I don't re remember feeling any kind of itch or uh, anything. I, I, I don't know where this bug entered my body. Tick bites may not be recognized by their human host, as the nymphs are the size of a poppy seed. How could something as tiny as a tick, you know, completely, you know, take out, uh, you know, a, a man as big as him? Dr. Frozenday immediately begins a series of tests to try to identify what could be causing the blockage in Bonnie's digestive system. We were all very desperate trying to get someone to tell us exactly what the problem was uh, and hope, hopefully find a solution to it. The physical exam fails to find the obstruction. But the vicious worms have done far more damage than the doctors originally thought. Without warning, Bonnie begins suffering from massive internal bleeding and begins coughing up blood. It looked like something in a horror film. There was blood on the walls, the bed, and the doctors and nurses were all around me. It scared us all. The doctor decided that uh, emergency surgery had to be done immediately. While doctors rush Bonnie into surgery, her family can only wait and hope. The doctors were straightforward with us and told us that we should not leave the hospital. Hours later, the doctors emerge with news. By cutting out a large portion of her small intestine, they have stopped Bonnie's internal bleeding. But the parasite has caused so much damage, it may be too late. They put me in intensive care, and they come out and tell my family that uh, the next 24 to 48 hours would be critical. They didn't really expect her to live that first night. We were all very scared. Um, we were very concerned about her, her life. Bonnie remains in critical condition for the next two weeks. After a few weeks, Bonnie's condition takes a turn for the better. Finally, she is discharged from the hospital, but is sent to a rehab facility. The parasite has caused so much damage to Bonnie's body that she has to relearn basic motor skills. She wasn't able to uh, hold her own weight on her feet. Uh, she needed assistance just to stand. She couldn't even walk after, you know, all the problems she had. She was very weak, and she had to have somebody, you know, hold her arms to walk her. We had hoped and, and believed that she could, uh, you know, lead a, a meaningful life after this. She was so weak and uh, had been so immobile for so long that, uh, you know, you know it, was a, it was a struggle just to get her from her bed to a wheelchair. And uh, we all knew that, you know, it was gonna be a long, long road back to what she once considered normal. They later told me how serious it was and that I could have died. And, you know, for a long time, it didn't really, it didn't really dawn on me. But then, you know, one day it hit me how close I came to death.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.